Welcome to Radio Finance, the podcast that helps you understand the transformative developments taking place in the world today. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Radio Finance session on addressing data gravity to build an insight-driven business. Today's Radio Finance session, we will discuss how leveraging insight in business and data-driven decision-making is a priority for institutions and what is really required to meet the future needs. So I'd like to now introduce uh, and welcome our guests. We've got Dr. Charlie Asavitharam. He's a Senior Executive Vice President and Chief Digital Banking Officer at Siam Commercial Bank. Colin Din, he's Chief Information Technology and Digital Transformation Officer at Vietcom Bank. We have John Howard Medina. He's Chief Operating Officer, Philippines, Nash, uh, Philippines Bank of Communication. We have Andrea Spanner. He's Chief Architect, Australia and New Zealand for Red Hat. Then we have uh, Christopher Tan. He is Director of Global Partner Revenue Acceleration, Asia, Asia Pacific and Japan uh, for Intel Technology Asia. And we have Danny Moo. He's Principal Analyst for Esther. First of all, I'd like to invite Danny uh, from Forrester to share with us uh, some of the key findings from the research. Hello, everyone. This is Danny Mu, Principal Analyst at Forrester. I would like to share some key findings about how data agility can fuel growth in financial services and how to build an insights-driven business. Recently, Red Hat and Intel commissioned Forrester Consulting to conduct a survey on data agility. We touched 162 financial services decision makers based in Asia Pacific. The participants included senior managers and above with responsibility and influence over their organization's business, technology, and data management strategy. According to the participants, improved the use of data and insights in business decision making has a top business priority over the next 12 months the priority is even higher than growing revenue. The other priorities include improved customer experience, embrace innovation, uh, and digital business transformation. Why do they put data-driven decision-making to such a high priority? Because they believe that their ambitions on data management and analytics can help to increase revenue growth, can improve customer experience, and can improve employee productivity uh, and enhance business efficiency. And finally, achieve better strategy planning. According to another Forrester survey, uh, compared with beginner firms, the advanced insights-driven business are eight times more likely to report they grew by 20% or more. However, Forrester data also show that only 7% of firms were at the advanced level of insight-driven business, while 46% of firms were still beginners. Why is it so difficult to be advanced in insight-driven business? Because the demands on data and analytics are fast evolving. As you can see from the left, in 2015 and before, the speed of data was around 12 to 24 hours. There was slow moving batch and semi-batch data loading and processing for BI and analytics. But in 2021 and beyond, the speed of data will be less than 60 seconds. 
with data virtualization, data fabric, data mesh, and other technologies and practices to speed up data delivery and ensure the freshest trusted data sets. On the other hand, financial services must open doors for partnerships. The rich ecosystem extends business practices beyond the four walls of the enterprise. So does the data architecture. Nowadays, firms must get prepared for data networks, which are metadata, messaging, events, and policy-driven architectures that elastically scale storage, compute, and states to the most optimal point of insights and automation. One of the key challenges is uh, financial services must get prepared for the rising complexity of hyper-distributed architecture across multiple public clouds, on-premises, and edge. And they should manage all scheduled applications at hybrid locations. 59% of respondents report that they spend more time and effort when integrating, orchestrating, and transforming data facing this reality, which also induce high latency to access data. The data governance and data stewardship are also key challenges. Insights-driven businesses need to continually develop enterprise-wide insights stewardship, governance, and best practices to share data and insights in analytics and applications at the speed needed by business and customers. Financial services need emerging technologies as well as state-of-art data management practices. As a summary, I would like to give five recommendations. First is to prioritize the quality and value of data products. 48 of respondents prioritize data quality as the most important component for data management and analytics above all other options. To achieve agility with quality, uh, financial services should adopt a task-driven development protocol to create tests upfront and maintain repeatable union tests. The second, leveraging a data-centric architecture to activate data at on-premises, cloud, and edge. FSIs should work with the data management architectures best suited to manage data lifecycle, whatever locating at the on-premise, cloud, or, or edge site. Uh, the financial services already embrace multiple public clouds to host their innovation applications. And we noticed that 76% uh, of respondents will invest in edge computing in the next two years. Uh, the third one is speed up data to insight lifecycle. 43 percent of respondents started their vision of data management capabilities would be enable real-time data across multiple domains. The data engineering should align CI-CD methodologies for modernizing and scaling their architecture and solutions with business stakeholders' expectations for return on data investment. The fourth recommendation is govern data by design. In rising data governance efforts, data ops addresses data governance policies through the creation of rule-based services and processes. These are specific data governance products and are often created to clean up or meet new policies and regulations. However, in mature states, data ops treats data governance policies and rules as requirements to embed into databases, pipelines, services, views, and data sets. Uh, the final uh, recommendation is uh, execute through inclusive teams. The financial services are, should achieve data agility via data ops, uh, which works in a synchronized or a synchronized fashion with DevOps, model ops, and data governance teams. This ensures that cooperate and customer requirements are collected and shared 
with all responsible parties to set quality and value benchmarks while effectively coordinating development efforts and product ownership. We have seen that 48% of respondents have either implemented or are expanding on changing their management culture and creating an inside COE in their organizations. Dr. Chali, my first question uh, to you. So Siam Commercial Bank has been undertaking a multi-year data transformation recently. And uh, we want to hear from you, what are some of the key priorities and initiatives towards building your data framework? And what are some of the challenges you've been trying to overcome in this journey? I lead a team called Digital Banking, but uh, I, I personally believe that this word will be soon um, anachronistic. It will be out of date because um, in five years, in my opinion, banking would just simply be digital by default. Um, and I think non-digital might be more of the exception than, than the norm. So uh, the vision that, that our priorities uh, is that we want to make banking easy. We want to make it um, everywhere and what we call every you, for every you, meaning we want to personalize all of our interactions with our customers. So coming back to your questions, uh, the key priorities for uh, our division is to use um, data and AI to lower the unit cost to serve to our customer. And uh, through the lower unit cost to serve, we hope to increase the reach um, so that uh, many, many more customers uh, can uh, access the financial services in Thailand and also to drive the speed to markets. And so um, our goal is to hope to increase the number of customers maybe uh, from, from where we are today, from 17 million to 25 million uh, in five years. And we wanna expand the digital revenue of the bank. Right now it's still in the single digits, but we're hoping it to make it um, significant uh, double digits uh, in the next five years. And we wanna bring the cost uh, to income lower uh, from right now in the low 40s to something at least in the 30s. So um, we have been ramping up uh, AI into the products. Uh, many of the products such as digital lending, uh, wealth recommendation, uh, we now have AI personal assistant in the chatbots and so on. And um, so we have made some progress and our next big challenge is to um, sort of marry the, the AI capabilities that we have now started and have gained some traction with the the human touch so that we can um, serve even a greater number of customers. Colin, Bitcom Bank has been actively transforming its technology for digital growth and future business growth. We also heard from um, Dr. Shelley how you were involved in Siam Commercial Bank's journey as well in, in data transformation. So give us a sense of how are you designing and building your data capabilities for the future to empower business? And uh, how are you addressing the evolving data gravity issue alongside the need for data integration, speed, and scale? Uh, perhaps what is happening at Vietcom Bank, and if you want to bring an industry perspective as well. My view in relation to the overall approach on data now, I'll take a slightly different slant in relation to how we build a new uh, next generation capability, because obviously we're looking at building what, what I would classify as a data factory. Um, you know, we're looking at how we're going to move data into a supply chain structure. You know, um, I've learned a lot through various iterations. So, you know, you're right, data gravity, data swamp, whichever name you give it, is a potential problem that you're going to get very early on and you've got to avoid that. What I've been doing re more recently is driving data into this supply chain structure. So that, and that supply chain structure is not just technology, it's people, it's processes, it's understanding of data. And so this whole supply chain is 
built so that we can actually iterate data. And where we've been focusing is where we're going to exploit data, where we've got the understanding at the, at the current time on how to exploit that data to give us monetary return, to give us revenue, to improve our customer service and to improve our uh, net performance score. So we've been working in that kind of iterative. Yes, you're always going to add data at some stage. Um, which is not going to be really focused because obviously adding data is about understanding and gaining greater insights, but you can't do that too soon in a journey because it becomes too difficult because it's really hard. It's the hardest journey that anyone's got is to exploit data. It is far easier in a lot of other paths, but data is a learning curve, not just for technologists, but for banks. And you've got to get to a level of critical mass in understanding how you can exploit that data before you can actually drive it. So our focus right now is drive from business exploitation, have a supply chain in place to be able to feed that data through so that it's on, on demand. And obviously, we're always constantly looking at things like data quality and the overall governance structure as an overlay on that overall structure. So that's how we're approaching that in a detailed architecture. Well, we're, we're a little ambitious. We're, we're going centralized uh, this year. We're trying to set up a data lake uh, for the bank uh, so that we can integrate not just the banking data, but market and customer data uh, for decision-making. This is because PBCOM reinvented itself over the last five years as a financial ecosystem bank. And so, more and more, we're being exposed to uh, external data that can be used to enhance both the banking experience and the customer experience. Uh, when you process the financial flows and the data of a financial ecosystem, you can use, for example, uh, procurement data of a customer and their sales data to come up with better credit decisioning. Uh, and these are not data sources that are in the back, but we are exposed to them as a financial ecosystem partner. So having a data lake with real-time data streaming will probably give us an edge in maximizing uh, the business for these financial ecosystems. Perhaps I you may also want to mention about some of the key challenges that we've been hearing or some of the key imperative, you know, the, the main challenges that you've been trying to overcome in your data journey. For individuals, the, the issue is consent because of our very strict data privacy law. Uh, the consent is something that we have to get up front so that we can process uh, and have access to customer data that's outside the bank. Um, for corporates, it's easier but because of the data privacy, the, the, the battlefield is with individuals. Andreas, a view from you around, you know, how should institutions strategically modernize their data architecture for the future while addressing some of the data challenges and architecture challenges that we have heard? As a context, what Red Hat has done is many years ago, we saw like hybrid multi-cloud as a target state. And that means a lot of our engineering has actually pointed and contributed to that target state. And that means that our approach is now, instead of bringing data to the cloud, we actually bringing the cloud to the data. And, um, and I think that's, that's even more true as um, edge computing becomes more pervasive in, in different um, industries, right? And so in, in that context, I, I want to answer your, your question and also focus on integrated, scalable, and, and agile data capabilities. And that means like people process technology, right? And, and things we're seeing working is data as a product. And that's actually a you know easy, easy set, but it's actually a quite 
big substantial uh, cultural change because you need um, to establish, you know, create data entity owners like product owners that have uh, pretty pretty big rights actually, right? So and, and those data entity owners would be looking after the customer entity or the, the the payments as such. And then in terms of process, you would potentially look at uh, something like using domain-driven design. And, and that's important because the home loan department is interested in different customer attributes as, as payments or, or treasury as such, right? Or the mobile application support team. And so that, that's important to actually understand that. And I always have that customer lens on. And then in ter terms of technology and architecture, as I said, right, bring your cloud to your data. And our cloud platform is called OpenShift. And, and what that means though, is that you, you have a consistent operating model across all the different or across your data supply chain as, as Colin said, right? And that's very important, not just because we, we wanna consolidate the, the engineering processes, but also you have a constant um, lack of skills in the marketplace, right? And to, to not having to train up separate teams to look after your, your data and your, your data infrastructure and your data supply chain is becoming more and more important. And, and then the, the last principle in terms of technology and, and architecture, is, again, is like data as code and, and the data mesh. And I think, you know, it's, it's data mesh is already an overloaded term, right? Different people have different or different organizations or different vendors have, have different um, sort of interpretations of what it is. But I think it is important to, to look at um, creating something like a central policy as code implementation or data access as code and, and, and such. Christopher, perhaps a view from you as well on this. Um, if, if you would like to share with us some of the best practices you're seeing in the industry towards this. Yeah, so yeah, and like I say, I agree with what everyone has spoken so far, right? In terms of how you handle data and what you're seeing as a technology provider. Um, a few years ago when um, maybe, you know, when, when everything was talked about, you know, you have a central place where you store your data and you process your data, right? Um, that has, has changed as, as the cloud has also uh, developed in different ways, right? It's not just one single cloud, but multi-cloud hybrid environments and so on. So, you know, we, we are constantly working with customers to say not uh, performance is always a given. Everybody wants performance, but it's also about uh, where you place your data, right? Then how do you bring your data to where you want to operate on it? Uh, and that concept about, you know, uh, bringing your compute uh, to the data rather than the other way around becomes uh, reality now as we work in a very um, uh, disparate kind of environment. Uh, but also uh, when once you do that, there are a lot of infrastructure considerations that you have to to look at, right? Your networking, your storage. And then later maybe we could also discuss about uh, as you start to share this data, right? Um, how do you secure it? Uh, how do you ensure that, you know, um, you know the, the, the rights are there, right, for, for the access? But also, interestingly, how do you then also leverage on sharing data that's outside your organization, right? And that gives you greater insights uh, as you apply AI and analytics to it. How should banks modernize their technology foundation and infrastructure to ensure this uh, scalability and agility and ensure real-time data. Like you said, uh, the, the SEB, Siam Commercial Bank, has invested uh, a significant amount of time, I think maybe five years ago, that we began building the data lake. And I know the amount of work that people have gone through to clean, ingest, and to make sure that 
the accumulation of the data is daily productionized uh, in a robust way. Now, the, the issue that we subsequently faced was how do you not get uh, inundated with all this data? How do you not get drowned in your own lake, so to speak? And how, how do you speed up the creation of the insights? The solution that we've um, landed on is something sim similar to what Colin has said, actually. Uh, you, you mentioned that uh, you're building a supply chain concept. And uh, the way I was thinking about it is actually a, a multi-stage refinery concept. Um, you, you probably have heard, uh, the, re the origin of the word is coming from this term you may have heard, data is the new oil. You, everybody has heard of that. Um, uh, but I think that statement is probably too simplified. Uh, what, what you're really looking for from the data is not so much the, the, the data itself, but you're really looking for the correlation, meaning uh, perhaps a more uh, uh, a correct statement would be correlation is the new oil or, or a corollary to the statement might be data is the new crude oil. And so what we have um, implemented is uh, essentially um, a multi-stage processing of the data. So you go from the data and to the sort of um, the insights and the features that are used by the machine learning engineers. And then from the features, you kind of uh, move them into predictions and then how you incorporate them into the products that the customer feel and see. And also for our, some of our field um, uh, customer um, uh, relationship managers to, 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 to use. The multi-stage approach make the supply chain of the predictions sort of a more consumable, easier to digest, and uh, allows us to sort of um, mass produce what we really want at the end of the chain, which is useful predictions, useful correlations that go into the products of the customers. That's kind of how we approach it at SED. Christopher, uh, I'd like to get you back into this discussion. We, you mentioned earlier around uh, security with regards to the right data framework. I also want to hear about you know, building real-time data capability, reducing the latency between uh, generating timely insights from this data. Uh, perhaps share with us your view on this. My comment about security really is it's about uh, around um, us as a technology provider um, understanding you know over the years how um, how we work on things like encryption and, and so on right uh, making that uh, very much available uh, in all instances which means encrypt your data at rest encrypt it while it's in transit but uh, encrypting it while it is being processed that has always been the challenge right um, and so, you know, we've worked in many ways, experimented many things, and, and today we have got a kind of a framework in which we find that, okay, and this is, I guess, the, the, the standard now that people talk about is a trusted execution environment, right? How do you create that, right? Uh, and that's what we, we found that, okay. From the discussion, it is evident that, you know, it is, it is really becoming critical to how you can optimize uh, data better. How can you build those kind of structures in your framework that can bring you faster insight, uh, faster insight culture, faster insight processes, uh, capability to drive business using those insights. It's really moving towards much more real time. We heard about how banks need to, how our banks are looking to respond within 30 seconds, almost in a real time capability. Therefore, banks need to progress on this data transformation journey with speed. The future data capabilities will require a rethink from a more scalable and agile architecture and processes. And therefore, alongside, you will need a stronger governance that can bring in quality um, along with the agility. Thank you so much to all our experts for a very interesting and uh, insightful uh, uh, discussion for your 
uh, thought-provoking comments and I trust uh, you've uh, found our discussion useful. Thank you for listening to Radio Finance. For more content, visit the Asian Banker website and follow us on social media.